From the capital city, I'm Ken Smith. The 33rd Alaska Legislature's first day of the session Tuesday, the House of Representatives held a chamber meeting for the first time to try to elect a House Speaker, but at the end of the meeting, the leadership seat was still unfilled. They will try again today, says Representative Andy Josephson, Democrat from Anchorage District 17. He spoke to reporters in the hallway after the meeting and says they will try again in this second meeting. Well, there will be nominees for or nominations for speaker. They're, they're uh, germane and in order. And we'll have to see if someone can get to 21 votes. Um, and if, now, mind you, if someone does, then we've elected a speaker and nothing else. So at that point, the speaker becomes the de facto chair of the Committee on Committees, which could be important strategically, but um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily... Um, reflect that we've accomplished anywhere near our goals in terms of populating committees, forming majorities, and the like. Hospital is addressing fiscal challenges as it prepares its budget for the 2024 fiscal year that starts in July. Sam Muse is the new chief financial officer, two weeks on the job. He joins David Keith, the new chief executive officer, six months on the job. The hospital is in the midst of a three-phase process to address its financial future of the hospital. Muse says the first phase does not include any reduction in employees, but hiring restrictions are in place. They're also looking at reductions in overall costs like traveling, purchases of supplies and material, which started in mid-November. The second phase began in January which he says addresses incentive pay cancellations that were introduced in the COVID period when they were short-staffed and looking at reducing travelers working for the hospital and retirement incentives. They also are looking at similar organizations and how they are staffed and paid, possible reduction in the workforce and streamlining leadership and program eliminations wouldn't happen until phase three, he says, around the end of March or early April. We're starting these cost-cutting measures now. We're going to measure them, um, validate it, and see how far we can get in those before we do any of the the phase three considerations. Muse reiterates that the workforce reductions would be a last-case scenario. We are short-staffed in, in, a, in a ton of different areas, and part of what we're looking to do, you know, em- employees are the building blocks of any organization. Um, as community demand shifts for certain services, um, for example, we're seeing during the, the COVID years, there's more demand for outpatient services. So it's, it's really trying to, m- the first thing we'd consider is obviously moving those building blocks or employees to other areas that are the, the community has demand for in terms of care. So aligning our, our staff better is always going to be the first thing that we're trying to do. Bartlett Regional Hospital is a not-for-profit organization, and Muse says the challenges they are facing are happening at hospitals nationwide. Nationwide, we're, you're really seeing a lot of hospitals that are, are kind of faced with this financial issue of, of costs or revenues not uh, rising at the rate that costs did. He says the hospital, as it moves forward, has to adapt to the changing needs of a community that is growing older whether that is home health and hospice. Uh, the, the labor shortage on the clinical side has really left some, some gaps in the community on the ancillary care uh, areas. So 
uh, home health and hospice we're looking at implementing and being able to provide that care. Uh, you know, we've been having discussions, and it's been reported with Wildflower Court on what a what it would look like to to perhaps run that uh, facility as well, and and be able to use some of our shared resources and staffing to uh, increase capacity there for the community. He says the hospital has a long community of service and is financially strong heading into the future. The hospital has operated in a, in a, in a very strong position for a lot of years, and we still do have a, a fairly strong cash position as well. So there, there isn't any immediate emergencies, and we, we're fully believe that we're going to be able to address these issues in a way that um, is best for the community and be able to operate the hospital in a sustainable manner going forward. There is a weather advisory for Southeast heading into Thursday. Meteorologist Ed Liskey from the National Weather Service provides a forecast first for Juno and Haynes. We are looking at a uh, more heavier or stronger uh, front coming in for uh, starting Thursday and uh, looks like it's going to be lasting through probably maybe the early part of the weekend coming up. Uh, We're looking at quite a bit of uh, about maybe two to four, maybe five inches of rain for over a two-day period for various areas and also a little bit of wind, uh, anywhere from uh, 15 to 25 miles per hour, maybe some gusts up to 35 miles per hour at some points during that time period. Higher winds for some of the other parts of the panhandle, like the southern panhandle. And, but, uh, and we're also looking at the possibility of snow up by Haynes and Skagway. But, yeah, looking like we're getting right back into the stormy, stormy weather pattern again. Liskey says Sitka and Ketchikan can also expect a lot of rain and high winds. Uh, let's see. Sitka and Ketchikan, we're expecting pretty much all rain for those areas at that time, during that time. But they're expecting probably a little bit more wind. Uh, got anywhere from probably 20 to 30 miles per hour winds for Thursday. Possibility that there might be another burst toward Friday afternoon and evening. Uh, sim- uh, similar strength, maybe a little higher as we get into Friday night. But generally going to be wet, wet and uh, windy is what we're looking at. Coming up on News of the North. In part two, the Southeast Conference is going to be holding its mid-session summit in June at the end of the month. We'll have those details as we talk to the executive director, Robert Venables. And the mayors of Skagway and Haines are concerned about the recent drug overdose of two men and the drug use suspected in the deaths, fentanyl. Welcome back to News of the North. The Southeast Conference, which was established in 1958, will hold its mid-session summit in Juneau at the end of the month. The three-day conference will be held at the Elizabeth Parotrovich Hall and offers a variety of symposiums and discussions about the economy, transportation, and industries in Southeast Alaska. Robert Venables is the executive director. He was a guest on Action Line. The organization was instrumental in establishing the Alaska Marine Highway System, and they will be discussing that at the summit, he says, including a transportation symposium. He says the Department of Transportation, which oversees the Marine Highway and its ferries, is working with many parties to address the needs of Southeast Alaska residents. 
department has really um, empowered and reached out. They've got a, um, a stakeholder advisory group that's working with them. They've brought on Southeast Conference to work with them. They've brought on the Alaska Municipal League. There's been a very broad base of, uh, of stakeholders that DOT has collected to make sure we get it right this time. Venable says traditional Southeast industries like those in the natural resources, such as mining, timber, and fishing, are critical to the Southeast economy. But the initiatives of enterprises led by tribal organizations in the region are also significant. We have 19 tribes, uh, and I think one of the, the largest in the, the state or country, perhaps, with uh, Clinton and Haida. And uh, what they've done for investment in their people and their infrastructure and their jobs is uh, of, uh, very impressive. And so we always try to showcase a little bit of that to see what, uh, what advances have been made in the past year, talk to see Alaska, and you know, really examine uh, the, the, the value that, that, that they bring forward and participate and support those efforts as much as possible as well. He says they are also holding a symposium on innovative businesses that should work well in a coastal region like Southeast, such as Mariculture, which was spearheaded by a task force formed by Governor Dunleavy. Really, Mariculture refers to you know the the resources of the sea, the the the. Uh, oysters, the shellfish, the sea vegetables, the kelp seaweeds, um, pretty much anything that's not fin fish. So that's what Maricultura is. Super greens of the sea. The super greens of the sea. And so, uh, you know, the year before last, when the the, uh, federal government set aside monies during the first CARES Act, they wanted to, um, you know, invest in a few good projects that are going to really move the needle in America to create jobs and wealth and do something entirely different and exciting. And they got 529 applications. They said, well, we're only going to fund 20. And this was one that won. Venables is especially excited about the prospects of mariculture in the Southeast. And it has developmental money behind it, along with a strong coalition of partners. This is a project that has an amazing, uh, amazing uh, coalition group of partners. There's um, over a dozen different partners that are key stakeholders, including the state of Alaska. Um, And it's got seven different project components. But this project won a $49 million federal award to in, to create an industry over the next four years that doesn't exist today. And so that is very, very, very exciting. Two men died of a drug overdose in Skagway over the weekend. The deaths occurred on Saturday and Sunday. Both deaths are suspected overdoses of the drug fentanyl with large amounts of pills that resembled the drug found at the scene. The investigation is ongoing, says Skagway Chief Jerry Reddick with the assistance of outside law enforcement from a drug task force. He says they are awaiting confirmation of drug analysis. Reddick says they have not seen the use of fentanyl as a common problem in Skagway. He says one suspected overdose of the drug occurred in the city last July. Haynes Mayor Douglas Olerud spoke on Capitol Chat yesterday. He says he talked to Mayor Andrew Cremata of Skagway, and both mayors are concerned by the type of drug that they may have found and the possible dangers that come with its use. Yeah, when I talked to Mayor Kramata Sunday night, um, it was kind of a, we're, we're both in definitely agreement. If the quantity that they found in Skagway is there, um, you can pretty much assume it's in Haines, it's in Juneau, and probably several other communities in, in Southeast. And um, 
Mayor Kamada said they they're it's, they're sending it out for testing, um, so they don't know the strength of what all is in the pills that they found uh, so far. But it's looking like the stuff that everybody sees on TV that that they're warning about that uh, is causing a lot of deaths down south. And so we just want to get the word out to people that if you see these brightly colored um, pills that kind of look like candy, um, oxy pills with weird colors, just don't don't even touch them. Don't just call the police to have them come take them away because uh, even the powder off of them, they're saying, could cause enough of an effect to greatly affect somebody. He says they are concerned also about the quantity of drugs he heard was found by the police. I don't know how much. Uh, what I've got is from uh, Mayor Kramata, and he was, he was shocked at the quantity that they had found. He said he didn't know if they were using this as a distribution hub to get it into other areas, if they're building up a stockpile to sell during the summer season, but they were quite concerned about the quantity that they found. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.